0: So we, uh, we gathered Frank Sinatra's band and got in the studio with uh, 17 guys, 15 of them of which shared the stage with Frank Sinatra.
1: Simon! Simon!
2: Simon! Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
3: Sapnin! Saplin! You are listening to episode 265 of Saplin Podcast featuring myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend, Morgan
1: Richards. Yes, it's me, Morgan Richards, and can you take no! me higher to a place where on this day I see clearly... Sorry about
3: that. Um, <laughs> this week's guest is guitarist, multi-instrumentalist, singer, songwriter, and all-round legend, the beautiful Mark Tremonti of Alter Bridge, Creed, and uh, he's in a band called Tremonti as well, which is mad, at, isn't it? Imagine making, imagine joining a band that's already got you a name as the. That's nuts. But yes, this week's guest is Mark Tremonti. We had a fantastic, fantastic chat with a
1: fella. What a great time. Well, to be fair, it's Merry Creedmas, everybody. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, Sorry, Mark. It's letting us spend the festive holidays with a guitar icon like Mark Tremonti. We have a little tradition on this podcast of the holiday episodes containing a real surprise. We've had Slade, S Club 7, Matt (laughs) Goss and Pross. And Uh, while Mark is a little more in our world, I don't think anyone was expecting a Creed reunion, never mind us celebrating that on this podcast. And this guy is a true gentleman, and for many, a modern day guitar hero. He's ring endless memorable riffs, solos, melodies, and mega hits with Alter Bridge, Tremonti, Creed, and covering Frank Sinatra. Last year, he put out a uh, Tremonti Sings Frank Sinatra covers album, supporting a little charity organization he's a part of. Take a Chance for Charity benefits those in the Down Syndrome community. He's followed it up this year with his own Christmas Classics new and old record, and we literally talk about everything to do with his career and how the fact that he literally sounds like Sinatra himself.
3: Well, Yeah, well, this is the thing, see? When I hear people are going to do cover albums, and when they're this far left field, like, nobody was expecting a <laughs> member of Alter Bridge or Creed to be singing Frank Sinatra songs, right? So I thought, oh, here we go. I've got to fucking check this out. Let's have a fucking listen. Is it going to be dog shit? And I couldn't have been more wrong... He sounded exactly like Frank... Like, it blew my mind. I was like, (laughs) bro, you can't just... You can't just put somebody else's MB 3s out and claim it's you. That's mental. But yeah, he's done this fantastic Frank Sinatra record. It's unbelievable. Please, please check it out. If you like Frank Sinatra, this is unbelievable, to be honest. It's awesome. He's absolutely fucking nailed it. And as we talked about in this chat, he did it with Frank Sinatra's band who some of them hadn't seen each other since like 1994. That's mental. Other things we talked about included, is he the coolest dad ever? Question mark? Guitar pedals, clinics, having a 50-person backing band for his Frank Sinatra project,
1: ski slopes and meeting Ice tea. Yeah, yeah, literally. It is a unbelievable. Bit everything in this episode. Alter Bridge, and one of my favorite bands to watch a download festival every time they play. There's so much excitement about this Creed reunion lately. People have just absolutely been going mad with all the memes and stuff online about it. And if you're a wrestling fan, then make sure you stay tuned to listen to the bit where he explains a lot of secrets behind Metal Lingus. That's been used for Edge, a.k.a. Adam Mm. Copeland, in both WWE and AEW. So we get really nerdy on here. We celebrate the festive spirit. And this is one you can listen to with all the family as you celebrate. And when you're doing that, why not come and join our family at patreon.com forward slash sapnin. It's the gift you can give to yourself and us this holiday season. Yes, get involved. You can literally make your new
3: best friends at patreon.com forward slash Sapling. Also give us a following. Give us a following. Give us a follow. Bloody hell I'm losing my mind. On Instagram.com forward slash Pod And uh the app formerly known as Twitter. You can find us at Pod at S-A-W-P-E-N-I-N-P-O-D on there. But let's not waste any time. Let's get into this episode with the beautiful Mark Tremonti. I can call him that now. We're basically best friends. (laughs) And uh, I just want to tell people we're in love. So, yep. Check it out. This is Mark Tremonti on Sapnin' Podcast.
1: Sapnin! Sapnin!
0: He really does sound like Frank Sinatra.
1: What's happening? What's happening? What's happening?
3: Yes! Yay! Yes! This week's guest is singer, songwriter, guitarist, bassist, multi-instrumentalist, really, the mighty Mark Tremonti of Alterbridge. Tremonti, obviously, because you couldn't be couldn't be <laughs> in here without you. And the mighty Creed.
0: How are you, Mark? Good. Yeah, good. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, yeah good. not bad, not bad. So getting ready for uh, you know the fe- the festive holidays coming up now, and you're the kind of perfect guest for that at the moment. Really uh, cementing this uh, the Christmas spirit. How's things in the Tremonti household uh, at the moment?
0: It's good. You know, we don't have snow here because I live in Florida, but uh, we got the trees up, we got the decorations all over the house, and uh, it's the first year with a, a new Christmas record, so uh, we've yet to play it in the house. So you know, Ooh. maybe week we'll start playing it here <laughs>
3: have you got like a start date that you were like right down from december the 5th
0: this album is only going to be on we're not going to listen to anything else you know what i'm i'm just going to see if the family plays it just uh you know i, I don't want to tell them to play it hey play my you know let them play
3: it well you never know uh, we could all do with the um the couple of pennies the spotify will throw you back <laughs> if, if you
0: make the family listen
3: to it it's not a bad idea but
1: do you have any other kind of little Christmas traditions with the family that you're kind of excited to get back into the spirit of now?
0: Uh, you know, I like we do this um, gingerbread house thing with the kids where we go to our friend's house and all the kids build gingerbread houses and then they judge who won the best and all. And everybody ties every year because you can't uh, let any of these kids lose on Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, We, uh, you know, we just, it takes, it takes all month to decorate the place. You know, we got two Christmas trees, one that's fake and one that's real. So we got to go get a real Christmas tree this week. Um, and then Christmas shop, man, I never have time to do anything. So I've got a two year old baby girl. So she takes up my days. I'm just waiting for a day where I can get a babysitter over here go to the mall and, and, uh, buy some chocolate covered strawberries for my wife or something. Get get Christmas shopping (laughs) done.
1: I feel that completely. And that's why that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. I feel like this is quite a unique time in your life where I don't want to say all your projects are active, but they kind of exist in a realm where they can together. I mean, Auto bridge have been so busy this summer with festivals and you've just come back from South America. Everyone is going wild for this Creed reunion. 20 still standing strong. And obviously all this Frank Sinatra Christmas stuff that we're gonna get into, but is it surreal to think you're at a place now where all this is happening and you can kind of juggle it as well as the family life?
0: Yeah, you know that's that's um, the toughest part. But I I love being um, productive. You know my uh, I feel like I've had a good day if I got some things done. You know it's that's that's what makes me feel good. So people. A lot of people are like, you know what, what, what makes you feel good? Just chilling relaxing and drinking by the pool. That's not me. I like to, uh, if I've got six hours to burn, I'm, I'm in the studio or I'm trying to trying to accomplish something. That's, that's what uh, I enjoy doing.
1: I'm sure you don't really think about it because there's so much in the moment with all of, with all of this. And you know, we take someone like me to really back this information to you to kind of uh, all the sink in. But did you ever kind of, Does it ever kind of hit you and think like of all the tour, everything you've been able to do, whether it be all the tours, the albums, the mega hits, the riffs, the solos, like everything you've been able to do. Do you ever just think back and go, wow, like there's a lot there. There's a lot to unpack.
0: Yeah. You know, when I, when I first was, was dreaming about getting a record deal, I was like, you know what, that's a one in a million thing to get a record deal. But then I thought the most successful bands in the world had, at the time four albums you know that was like a big long career so i thought even if i was to do this by you know by the time i was in my early 30s i'd probably be retired from this and have to find something else to do but thankfully things have turned out in a way where musicians can last a lot longer um you know you got guys touring until they're 80 years old now so it's yeah uh thank thank god i got a lot going on and um I can keep doing this as long as, as as I keep working hard, you know?
1: Do you ever see all of this as different chapters within your career? Or do you see every kind of project just a different side to you? I mean, it, it must be hard to kind of separate it, especially with, you know, the majority of the Bridge and Creed being the same members and, you know, mm-hmm. there's so much friendship and overlaps and stuff. Yeah. How do you how do you kind of see every different project which is different sides you different different phase yeah
0: yeah i think the creed thing reminds me of my childhood almost it feels like um you know how you think of yourself now versus the way you were in high school you're a different person you know it just kind of it feels that way with creed it feels like that was we were kids you know we were uh we didn't know what the hell we were doing we were just having fun creating music and uh, when we got into altar bridge we had learned a lot by then and uh we were different musicians you know to ta- tackling things different so now getting back into the creed thing it's like stepping back into my college brain and uh <laughs> you know it's but i think that's why people are digging it because a lot of uh when the tour went on sale a lot of people bought tickets immediately because i think they want to relive their yeah. you know their, their younger years they want to go reminisce and call up their friends that saw the creed concert with them 20 years ago Well, that's
3: the thing. There seems to be a big, like, nostalgic uh, resurgence at the moment, really, when you think about it. Like, obviously, My Chemical Romance came back a couple of years ago. That was massive. Blink-182 were back. It seems to be that, that, like, almost 20-year circle, cycle, I guess, of uh, coming back round again. And, yeah, people are just – the band I was talking about before we started, my old band, who was um, surprisingly successful for 10 years, Um, even we've come back. And I, you know, there wasn't there wasn't anybody asking for it. There wasn't anybody asking for it. But I thought, well, if everybody else is having a bloody go, maybe we can maybe we can have a go and sell some tickets. So yeah, it's um What's what's your band? Uh my band's called The Blackout. Don't ever check it out. You don't need (laughs) that in your life. I'm I'm checking it out as soon as Um, we're
1: done here.
3: No. Please don't, because then you'll end up (laughs) getting in touch with your um your
0: management and then tell them not to put this out because I, 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 I want this to go out. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm writing it down right now. Oh, oh, wow. I should have said something else. Um,
3: metallic? No, metal liquor. we call called metal liquor. Um, metal, check know. metal liquor. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Metal yeah. liquor. Uh, <laughs> talking about those feelings with Creed, I feel like there's so many people who thought this reunion might never happen again. What was like the actual catalyst for you guys to all get back in a room and be like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do this cruise and then we're going to do this tour?
0: Uh, you know, I had brought up the idea with my manager when we did a few Shiprock tours. And I, I always enjoyed going on the boats. And I thought, you know, there's bands that my agent works with like Paramore and a few others that have their own specific cruises. And I was like, you know, Creed could come out and do that. And it could be a good reintroduction to the world. You know, wrote a soft en- entry back into the world just to, to gauge people's interest. And when we when we put that first cruise on sale, the six man group who put this sh- who organized it said that was the fastest selling cruise that they've had in 21 years. Wow, awesome of of, of business. So we that kind of lit a fire for us. We're like, all right, well, um, let's do another cruise. So so we we booked another cruise for five days later, and that one sold out immediately. Um, So then one of the comments we saw was a lot of people were pissed. They're like, you know what? I want to see Creed, but I don't, I can't get on a boat. I can't afford to go on a cruise or I don't want to go on a cruise. I just want to see a normal tour. A whole time in the back of our mind is like, just wait, we're going to announce the tour and we're just gauging to see what the, uh, the desire is. And once we put the tour on sale, it, uh, it shocked us all, you know, it's, um, you never know what you're going to get when you put a, a band that hasn't toured 13 years out. But uh, or was it 10 years? I can't remember. Um, but anyways, it's been a long time and people are excited about it. And um, the craziest thing is, is when we're announcing this tour, you've got the World Series baseball team, Texas Rangers playing our songs every night at their games and firing the fan base up right along with the announcement of the tour, which couldn't have worked out better for us. Yeah, that's awesome.
3: That's brilliant. Yeah. And yeah, you, you talk about like checking out if there was any desire or, or, or want for it. And yeah, there has been for many, many a year. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I, I'm chuffed for you. I'm, I'm over the moon for you. Well, thank you.
1: But that's the thing. I, I feel like that obsession with Creed never went away with people because your music and legacy has always been in the spotlight in some really weird ways you mentioned the kind of like texas rangers and sport teams and it's been used on wrestling for god knows how many years we've just embraced it there's a whole new generation of people online discovering the music as well i mean especially with tiktok and i'm sure you've seen the meme side of it but like it, it must be so weird to think like this is a project you haven't really delved into for so long but the hunger is still there
0: yeah, you know, and one of the things that blew us away was when you when you have these concert tickets go on sale, you can take um each person who's bought it, you can you can tell all the where they're from, how old they are, male, female. And the craziest thing is the biggest portion of our fan base is between 25 and 35 years old. Wow. And that th- those folks were too young to have come yeah. to a Creed concert when we first uh were touring. So I think, like you said, some of these memes and all the TikTok things have, have got a whole nother batch of people that just want to come see what it was all about. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess the new social media is kind of, it's
3: rejuvenated music for loads and loads of bands with um, youngsters and, uh, yeah, people coming up. Personally, like I like, you never think, oh, you know, kids are going to like the music I make or whatever. You know, the kids of today are going to like the music I yeah. make. And then yeah just just to hear these stories and and see you selling tickets so well it's it's
0: it's brilliant and i i love it and yeah there's hope for all of us
2: there's hope for yeah. all of us
0: please <laughs> there's, there's fi- finally hope you know i think i think the internet uh the whole um arrival of the internet kind of shook things up in the music world it um it obviously destroyed album sales for the for the touring for for recording artists and it, it changed things a lot for, for good and for bad. But, um, I think because of the oversaturation of music, um, that you can get on the internet these days, uh, and with every streaming platform, you can get anything at your fingertips at any time. There's not a lot of bands that, um, I forget the term, but, um, uh, songs that are going to, you'll, you'll hear 10 years from now. There's not a lot of bands that are putting out songs that you'll hear 20 years from now anymore. Cause there's such an oversaturation of music. That's why, that's why I think some of us older bands are sticking it out now because the songs are already part of culture. They're already part of everybody's, uh, you know, everybody knows these songs and they'll know them for years and years. And it's just hard. It's hard to be a recording artist these days because there's just so much. There's just so much out there. It's, you get lost in
3: the mix. Hmm. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, very much so. Do you know what? I'd I'd never thought to that point, really. Yeah, you're you're right. There probably won't be like legacy songs in like 10 years. We'll just remember like, oh, remember that was number one for like a week or something because somebody like what's going to end up happening is someone's going to be like, do you remember that song once that was popular because Kim Kardashian posted it for a week and that was it? And then yeah. people are going to be like, "Oh, yeah, well, remember, remember Creed?" And people are like, "Yeah,
0: fucking right, I yeah, remember Creed." <laughs> of
3: course, I don't remember. Yeah, it's just yeah. going to be, yeah, it's
0: a strange one. Yeah, there's like you know, there's 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 outliers like like Adele. You'll you'll hear Adele twenty years from now. Um, but uh, but um, you know, there's not a ton. You know, um, yeah, I can't really think of many right now that I think you're going to hear from tw- in twenty years, but. Uh, Chris Stapleton, I think Chris Stapleton is is one of those huge artists that you're gonna that's gonna be a legacy artist. Um I'm sure th- I'm sure there's plenty more, but not as many as there used to be. Yeah, so it's just, yeah, it's ma-
3: yeah, it's mad to think. It's like, yeah, oh, you've got me thinking. I like if you were a kid making music today, and I hear this now, I'd be like, what? No, I- ah! what? No, I want to go back. Let me go back. The
1: the industry changes so much, and like you've seen you've seen that with with your own two eyes, but Talk about reactions. I mean, that Texas Ranger thing must have been so wild when you got wind of the fact that the team was using new songs as like massive motivation, but also the crowd just bursting it out on their own as a chant. I mean, reactions and these kind of things you must be used to because, you know, we could all go down the Alter Bridge, Metal Edge, WWE, AEW, Brute, that you've got that to one side. Like, how wild is it for you to think like those songs are existing in different worlds and just the reactions and like that there's, there's stadiums and arenas of people singing them that you're not even playing that.
0: (laughs) It's this, it blows me away, you know, that we got to fly out to the Rangers game and see it in person. And my, uh, one of the coolest things that goes along with it is I have two boys and they're not really big music guys. They're not, uh, they don't have posters on their walls. They don't they don't listen to music all day long like I used to as a kid. They watch sports all day long. That's that's what they're into. So when dad can take them to a Texas Rangers <laughs> game and they get they get to use the entrance that the team comes in on and we get the super box and like, you know, and then they they got to see dad on the big gigantic jumbotron as the whole stadium singing um higher. You know, that's one of those moments where my kids will never forget it. Um, I'm finally cool to my kids, you know, because yes. when sports and music collide, that's a great thing. You got the, you got the Vikings, um, you know, uh, playing, playing higher to to psych them up earlier in the season. And, uh, you know, Kirk cousins was playing it and talking about it in press conferences. And, um, uh, yeah, of course my kids were like, dad, do you know, Kirk cousins? I'm like, no, but, I, you know, maybe, I can, <laughs> maybe one day I'll introduce you if I can't.
3: Yeah. yeah, not
0: yet, I don't,
3: kids, <laughs> but it seems very <laughs> likely it's going to happen soon. Well, yeah, I just, I've just written down, be a like, coolest dad ever? Question mark? Because yeah, like imagine, like, oh, yeah, you just go, oh, yeah, come on, we we'll go down here, let's go this way, yeah, we we'll go a different way, and it's the, it's the, it's the way the team come out. That's amazing. <laughs> like, oh,
0: do you kids ever go? Oh, dad, turn that off. I'm sick of
3: urinary.
0: Ah. Uh. You know what they, they no, you know, Pearson, my my youngest son, he had to listen to me practice Frank Sinatra day in and day out for years. So he I would drive him to uh soccer practice, uh, and i you know, it was about a forty-five minute drive. And then he'd practice for three hours on two different teams and then I'd drive back another forty-five minutes. So he'd hear me the entire time and he would come out to the car and be like, Dad, we can hear you on the field <laughs> uh, in the car singing. <laughs> So I'd have to go park far away when they practice because this was during COVID and I couldn't even watch practice. You couldn't even get out of your car because it was COVID. So he'd hear me in the car. He'd have to travel with me. So he's heard me sing that stuff more than anybody, but he never gave me grief about it. Nice. Nice. Yeah.
1: Well, where would you say is the weirdest place you've heard? One of your songs, like take a life of its own.
2: Uh,
0: geez. Um, yeah, I would I would say that the, the coolest, weirdest thing was the Texas Rangers doing it this year, you know, because um, a lot of those guys are too young to have been big fans of Creed. You know, you, you think of a professional athlete, they're in their, they're in their 20s. Um, there might be a few of them in their 30s, but most of them are in their 20s. So, um, you know, they, they've they somehow found it through their parents or through the radio. And it's just cool to see that they've used it as their rally, uh, you know. Mm. The, the, the songs to get them pumped.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, one last thing before we move on from all this Creed excitement. Um, I did want to talk about the fact that there was a lot of rumors a while back about this kind of abandoned fifth album. And I know Scott has said, like, he still worked on some stuff from it years ago and obviously everything, all the other projects kind of took off because there's been such a huge reaction at the moment. Do you think you'll revisit that or ever get into new music? I mean, what, what really happened with the, uh, with this fifth album that we never heard? Uh, I have it,
0: I have it right here on my, uh, on my laptop. Oh, go on, that, it, send no. it over. No, go, go on, I'll take it. No. Thank you. Cheers, man. No, Thank you. It's, it's just, it's like just cheesy little recordings of us jamming live in a room, but it's, uh, you know, it's it's the basic uh, backbone of, or the structure of, of maybe nine songs. But, you know, if we were to do new music, I would, I'd price crap most of that stuff. And, and I think we could do better now. But, uh, you know, it's, I think it's too late now for us to come out with a new record by the time we're going to do this tour. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I think, I think we would have to almost do the tour get back into Ultra Bridge World, put out a record and tour and then come back and maybe do a Creed album properly. You have to have the right setup for it. It's not something you can just turn on. You know, records now I'm recording a Tremonti record in February of uh, in next, you know, three months from now and then um, it won't come out for a year after that. Yeah. You know, all the setup wow. time and all the planning is um, the worst thing about it is you mix a record and you sit on it and you're excited to release it and, you, and by the time it comes out, you're Tired of it.
1: You've heard it for you. <laughs> well, that, well, that's the question because you're so busy. Like, How far in advance are things booked up for you? Like, Is it a kind of sense of like, right, this band is going to be doing... I, I need this year for this band, but there's a gap here so we can fit other things around it. Like, How far in advance do you have to kind of sit down to make sure like all these different things can work and can exist?
0: I'd say we have two or three years planned out. You know, I know wow. that, um, next year we will hit the studio with Tremani in February, take a couple months to record an album, and then we'll start rehearsals for Creed for April and then go out on the big tour in July through September. And then hopefully, um, continue some, some Creed touring after that. We just haven't had anything, um, announced yet. And then after that, um, the following year I'd start, Touring on the Tremonti album that I recorded in February, do the big hopefully all the summer festivals and whatnot, and tour through the fall, maybe in the winter, and then get back into Alter Bridge land. um, Get into the studio probably late, late, I would say late next year or early um, the following year. So it's wow, uh, that's about as far as, as far as we know. Yeah, when will um when will when will Alter
3: Bridge have time to write? and demo then will it, was that something you could do on the road with creed would you do that or was it just like right i'm in creed mode leave it now and then i'll get back and do Bridge.
0: no the best time for me to write is when i'm on tour um when i'm at home i've got you know i said my two-year-old daughter that that uh, and my kids my other kids but my two-year-old keeps me pretty busy until about eight o'clock where she goes to sleep and then i try to write um but it's tough because like right now, when she goes to sleep, I'm practicing singing Christmas songs because I got a show coming up in a couple of weeks. <laughs> um, so it's uh, it's just a balancing act. You know, I, when I'm on tour, though, I got all day long to work. So mm. that's when I go on the Creed tours, I'll be writing a lot of Alta songs. Yeah. I,
1: I just I just love that you've given us that insight and that you have all this planned out because like there's some of us that don't even know what we're doing next week, but you know what you're doing in three years time. So like, <laughs> yeah, I love it.
0: To. I love you it. You got to. You know, we don't want to, we just don't want to upset any, uh, you know, you have these different fan bases, you have the ultra bridge fan base, you have the creed fan base, and they're not necessarily the same fan base. So if, uh, a lot of them, like a lot of people like both bands, but, um, people might get angry if all of a sudden we, we do a a creed tour and then the ultra bridge record doesn't come out like it should on every, every three years we come out with an ultra bridge record. And I think it's very important that we stick to that. Is, uh, is it the same management then across all three bands? Yes. Yes. Tim Turnier manages. Um, well, in, he manages Alter Bridge. He manages uh, Tremani, Miles Kennedy's solo band, and then he manages uh, the three of us in Creed. And then Scott Stapp has has a manager as well that manages all his solo stuff. So it's kind of a dual, uh, yeah, uh, shared thing with Creed.
1: Yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah. Very interesting. Well, th- thanks for sharing that because trying <laughs> trying to work it out in our, in our brings is is crazy, but. I really want to get into um, your love for Sinatra because you can tell from doing that record last year and then bringing out these Christmas songs that this is someone you have admired, especially just kind of the vocal range. When did the obsession with him begin? Was it kind of the same time as picking up a guitar and like in Van Halen, Metallica... And all the rest, or was it like a specific moment where it was like, "Oh, actually, I, I like I like this side of music as well."
0: You know, I've always loved Frank Sinatra, but um, at the be- right before COVID hit, I uh, I had one of those nights where I couldn't fall asleep, put on the headphones, and just um, went down the down the rabbit hole with Frank Sinatra, and I came across um, a lot of his earlier stuff, and that's what blew me away. You know, everybody knows. The my ways and the New York, New York's. But when you go back to his earlier catalog, and you realize um, when he was, you know, in the early 40s, he was massive. He blew up right out of the gate. He could call the president and say, hey, I'm coming over for some tea. Oh, okay, Frank, come on, come on by. Um, so, I watched this video of uh, the song Is You. I think it was recorded in 43 or 44. And it blew me away. You see this... Um, Back then, you see almost this this shy kind of person, looks like a kid. And when he opens his, when he sings, you're like, wow, that's that's incredible. You know, you can see why he exploded. And so, I became fascinated with his entire career. And I went through his whole catalog and tried to, to learn as much about it as I could. And little by little, I'm like, you know, this just suits my voice. I love, his range uh, fit my range very well. So, I... um I was like, you know what, just like a guitar player, I'd hear somebody and be like, I want to play guitar like that person. I did the same thing with with Frank Sinatra vocally and I attacked it kind of the same way as I did the guitar. You know, tried to pick out every little nuance of what he did and um, for years and years just practiced doing it. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. And then when my daughter was uh, diagnosed with Down syndrome uh, before she was born, I was like, you know what, I'm going to record a record, do it for charity, raise money and awareness. Now that's my that's my new big purpose in life is to, uh, you know, support the down syndrome community. Mm. Cool, yeah. Very cool. There she is. <laughs> i my studios. Just got pictures of her all over the place. She's, she's my, <laughs> nice. uh, she's my muse. Wow. Awesome.
1: How, it, how different has it been getting into that side of a sensibility of wanting to actually put something behind this music and actually have it with a good course as well. Not just a, uh, not just a of fun side project you can do, you, you can do in your spare time, but have a, a greater meaning for it and the active campaign.
0: I, it was one of those, um, it felt like it was a meant to be kind of situation for me. I, I, I fell in love with, like I said, I became obsessed with everything Sinatra. I was watching his movies, reading his books, trying to imitate the way he's sang and, um, I was just obsessed with it. My people would make fun of me. Like, you know, that's why are you watching another movie? Why are you reading another book? And, um uh, <laughs> I didn't know why. And then when, um, when, like I said, when I got the diagnosis, a little light bulb went off and I'm like, you know what? Um, there has to be a reason that I read these books and read about how philanthropic Frank Sinatra was. He raised over a billion dollars for charity and, um, it just made sense. I'm like, now that my, you know, I have this new cause, why not do the record, do it for charity? So, I called my manager and I said, you know, I want to record this record. I want to do it for charity. And, and I want to call some local musicians, find some some brass, you know, trumpet players, trombone players, sax players, get them all together. He's like, why would you use local players? My guitar teacher was Frank Sinatra's touring guitar player. So, my manager was taught by Frank, by Dan McIntyre. Wow. Oh, so- so they set up a lunch meeting with um, another gentleman named Mike Smith, who's an incredible alto sax player. He was Frank Sinatra's band leader for some time, and um, so I'm they. A, oh, oh yeah, it was incredible. So imagine all these stars aligning. You know, it was just like a, a sign telling me you're doing the right thing. Um, so we uh, we gathered Frank Sinatra's band and got in the studio with uh, 17 guys, 15 of them of which shared the stage with Frank Sinatra. And, uh, it was, it, it was the most incredible experience of my musical. I, I would say it was probably the most incredible experience I ever had in the, in the music business. Yeah. Um, but everybody's like, well, aren't you, t- aren't you terrified? Everybody's like, aren't you terrified to go to Chicago to record this record with these guys? And, um, I wasn't nervous at all. It's like, you know, I tell people i tried to, I I started this initiative called take a chance for charity to raise money, uh, get, get other artists to, do something their fan base would not ever see them doing. Uh, do it for fun and do it for an art, you know, you, you might surprise people with, with you know, the, the ideas you could come up with. But, um, you know, it just turned out great. You know, uh, the reason I wasn't nervous about it is because we were doing it for charity, you know. Mm. What's somebody going to say? You you were terrible at raising money for charity? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, th- well, that is the thing. I think you know some people do worry, especially if you're in that kind of metal world where people want you know your riffs and your tones going to sound like, like sound like a certain thing, and they expect a certain style from you. To go left field like that, you could uh, you could upset people. You could get some negative comments. But the fact that you have mm-hmm. kind of mixed it in with everything you're doing, I mean, yeah, no one can really say anything. Yeah, to no, that.
0: you know, and the response that it's gotten has been has been absolutely nuts for me. I I there's there's people that would have I would have never been on their radar that that have reached out about the album. Um one of the uh you know Slash was one of the first guys to give a really great uh review of the record. Um you know you got guys like Paul Stanley um who just just heard it on social media and put praised it on social media. Wow. Uh, uh I remember I was opening up for Judas Priest and I walk into catering Um, and Rob Halford is sitting there and he sees me and he's like, come here. He's like, that record is beautiful. And he, and I was like, what record? He's like, the Sinatra record. I'm like, well, thank you. So, and then, uh, the, one of the craziest things was, um, I was on tour over in Europe and I get a text message after I get off stage and my good friend, Tom Rob works security for everybody. Metallica, Robert plant, uh, big, big, incredible guy. And, uh, he texted me, he's like, I was dri- driving Robert Plant to Bonnaroo, and I asked him if I could play a record for him, and he listened to your Snotch record, and he loved it. I'm like, are wow. you kidding me? <laughs> what? Robert, Robert Plant would have never known who who I was in a, if I'd written 100 rock records, you know, but you yeah, do this one thing. That's yeah.
3: crazy. Yeah, yeah,
1: like,
3: yeah, he knows you. For, I've gone cold. I am covering goosebumps <laughs> right now. Yeah, he knows you from that Frank Sinatra record and, and like, not from Creed, like... <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, that's mad, that's mad. Yeah. I love that,
1: I love that.
3: One of my favourite stories is, um, you probably heard it, is uh, the Don Rickles story about um, he was out on a date once. Uh, yeah, have you yeah. heard the
0: story? That where, uh, where, where he tells Frank to come say hi to him at the table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: That's one of my favourite, favourite stories. So basically for the listeners, Don Rickles, uh, a brilliant, brilliant comedian, uh, was on a date one night and um, he saw Frank Sinatra there and the girl he was with was very, very impressed that Frank Sinatra was in the same room. So Don made a point of going up to Frank and said, hey Frank, after you finish, finished, if you could come over and just say hello to me and the girl that would, be, that would literally make my night. Uh-huh. And then Frank gets up and comes over to Don and says, Hey, Don, what's going on? Don replies, Frank, can't you see I'm in the middle of a date? Can't you leave me alone? And it's genius. Absolute genius. Like, nobody else would have done that to Frank Sinatra.
0: Like no, that's, he, he, was one of his, he was one of his boys, for sure. Yeah. Oh, I love me some Don Rickles. Oh, yeah.
1: But when you remove yourself from everything, it's so crazy that you're in that kind of position where you've just become obsessed with an artist and then all of a sudden you're making music with their band. like With his friends.
0: Yeah. 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 So, so being able to being able to actually play with Frank Sinatra's band was, uh, next level for me. It was, it was the, the most exciting moment of my musical career, I think. And when my friend came up there, he interviewed some of the guys during the process and they were so, um, so into the project a lot of them thanked me for getting them back together cuz a lot of these guys hadn't seen each other in in over 20 years so i think i think um frank sinatra passed away in 98 i think he was touring in the maybe 93 94 so these guys hadn't seen each other since then so it's it's been uh, to see the excitement on their their face and it's funny mike smith he um he'll walk in with a crutch complain about his back And then he'll get on stage and do a solo. It's just like he's a kid again. You know, it's like all the the, the adrenaline takes over and um, he's a showman.
3: Yeah, that's, yeah, but uh, my mind is blown by all of this. (laughs)
0: Like,
3: you got Frank Sinatra's band back together who hadn't been back together. That's nuts. That's insane. That's, that's, Yeah. yeah, that's so crazy.
0: And just to be clear, you know, he had many bands. He didn't have one specific band that traveled everywhere. He would have a, he would have a core group of people and he would travel with, uh, he would use local guys from LA, local guys from New York, but he'd have his crew, his local core people. So he'd have, he told, uh, Mike Smith told me one night, he's like, all right, tonight I'd like you to thank the Dan Jordan Orchestra and then thank your guys. Your guys will all be wearing black shirts. So, when Frank Sinatra toured around the world, he could always look back and see Bill Miller in his black shirt on the piano. He could see his, you know, maybe four or five guys that would travel with him. He, he knew where to look. Um, so it was such a huge, uh, honor for me to have him say, we are your guys now, you know? So you look back, you see us in the black shirts. We are your guys. Uh, which was like, what I I may, I, I got the approval from, from the guys, you know, and that was, uh, You know, that was a big, big honor for me.
1: I love this. I absolutely love this. That's 100% Uh, Dream Country. I couldn't imagine it. Like, I couldn't imagine being like, right, I'm going to start diving into David Bowie and then all of a sudden, like, playing with all of the Bowie's band. Well, well,
0: you know what? It's funny you bring that up because the whole Take a Chance for Charity thing, I think the best thing about it is I want to create these situations where, say, I have a friend who wants to sing a Prince song, you know, let's get Prince's band who recorded Purple Rain to <laughs> sit to play with you. That's the, that's the thing, you know, say you're into uh, Earth, Wind and Fire, get Miles Kenny to sing with Earth, Wind and Fire if that's the thing, you know, that's something that's going to shock be cool. people, that's something people are going to want to hear, you know? Yeah. Uh, wow.
3: I do. Right. So I, yeah. I want so, so to hear. The, I want to hear <laughs> yeah. that
1: as well. Tell Miles to make that happen. Jeez. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that, that that is such a great cause. I'm I'm sh- I'm so happy that you're kind of living these dreams and also getting to get other people to to do the same thing. In these stories, there was one moment just now where you just mentioned slash kiss and Judas Priest. You know, just all coming up to you. Is it ever get? wild to you to think like all these people who you grew up idolizing have become close friends over the years like these are absolutely megastars that millions of people idolize and they're just out there just being like oh yeah checked out this record oh yeah hey like hey mark like over the summer you played with maiden and metallica and stuff like that does it ever get like does a 14 year old you crop in sometimes being like how the fuck is all this happening?"
0: No, it never goes away, you know, and, and I'm not close friends with any any of the guys, but I, I'm friendly enough to, if I see them, to have a conversation and say hi, and everybody's, everybody's very nice. And, um, you know, just like when we played um, just this last summer um, with Alter Bridge, we went over and played, uh, was, was it Download, I believe it was, where I'm sitting there warming up in the dressing room and here comes Lars Lars is like, hey, man, good to see you. You know, just came over to chat with us in the Alter Bridge world. And, um, you know, he's just, I, I, you know, some of these guys, and I would be the same way. I think um, if you're Metallica, you're Iron Maiden, I think, uh, you know, you should go to the younger guys and just show, you know, be like, hey, I was once in your shoes. And, you know, let, give, give them excited that, that you are on the radar, you know, which was super cool for them to do the Metallica guys have been always so, so awesome. Um, I have one of James Hetfield's guitars, uh, that the band all signed signed for me back in the day. I've gotten to see them so many times and, um, you know, their security guys are always like, Hey man, you're, you're, you're family, man. Just, just do whatever you want. Come on stage. (laughs) I've I've gotten to watch. I've gotten to watch, um, right behind the drum kit. You know, uh, Lars has a, um, a drape that he goes through, behind his trump set so you can see through it and have the crowd not see you so you can kind of see the perspective what metallica is seeing when you're watching the show and it blew my mind so it's, it's, uh, you know yeah that 14 year old it never goes away you know um yeah well i'm glad
3: yeah i'm glad you have still got it because a lot of people kind of get jaded or blase by it i guess and they're just oh here comes lars again oh
0: here it uh, is no that won't that won't ever happen with me <laughs> <laughs>
1: Is there anything you do to kind of keep that excitement alive because it, you know you are so busy it must obviously there are points where it's just like right okay yeah this is happening again but is there anything you do to kind of just take it all in and appreciate that every opportunity is just it's just mental
0: Yeah no it's it's the reason I do what I do is because I love these artists so much and that that love's never going to go away you know it's uh that excitement will never go away it's 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 just been great over the years to get to know these, these folks more. And, um, you know, I just, you know, as far as the, the slash thing goes, you know, slash has always been a gentleman. Every time I run into him, he's just such a nice guy. Um, and just recently he, he helped with the take a chance for charity project. And he, me and me and slash did a record together where on, uh, we both covered the Godfather, uh, speak softly love. And I did a vocal version of it with an orchestra and he did a, uh, guitar solo version of it with a band, uh, and, and we released that, and all the sales went to charity. And we did that with um, uh, Jersey Jack Pinball partnered with us on that as well because we did we recorded those songs for the Godfather Pinball Machine that my friend Eric Muner designed. So, yeah, it's great to get these kind of people with that kind of reach to help with the charity as well.
1: On the um, vocal side of it, I mean, obviously, for years you were just kind of known as like the guitar guy to a lot of people as well. I think you you are a lot of people's guitar icons. So when you started doing the Tremonti project and then obviously learning the Sinatra stuff, which is a whole other world, was there ever a part of you nervous to kind of step outside of that of that ring? And especially with the Sinatra stuff, not having a guitar on you, just literally being on the stage with a microphone in hand, it must be a, a little bit alien.
0: Yeah, it's definitely different. It's, it's very... Um it's very exposed. There's nothing, you can't hide behind anything. It's not like you have a, uh, it's not like you have another vocalist harmonizing with you or uh, effects on your voice. It's very, it's very just clear and dry. And, uh, uh, but the good thing about it is everything sounds so good on stage that when you hear a, a, a big band behind you, it's, it's, it's a huge, it feels huge. It's great. Yeah. Um, power. But, you know, I, I've got my thing, you know, once I've done now six or seven shows with, with the band and um, I just figured, all right, I don't want any moments to be awkward. So what I do is I have my, um, I have my table with my beers and my waters. I've got my, my music stand with my notes and then I've and my set list. And then I've got my stool and my mic, right? So I can, at any given moment, I can pick a station and move around and keep busy um, you know, one big thing that helped me was having that stool up there because you know, you get up there and you sing Fly Me to the Moon, you're standing up, you're entertaining, but then you sing Nancy with the Laughing Face or you sing My Way, you take a seat, you know, you get the crowd to mm-hmm. really, um, the dynamic, uh, shift helps a lot. So it's, but not having that guitar, um, it's fine with the Sinatra thing because I didn't record in the studio, I'm, I'm not playing guitar and it's, uh, funny thing is, is he, those songs are not my songs and it's not your thing but they're so emotional some of those songs when you sing them it's funny how those songs could be even more emotional in the songs you've written sometimes yeah yeah definitely
3: i just like to think of your you d- during your first frank show just after the first song just looking down to tune and being like it's not there yeah <laughs> <It's kind>
0: of, <laughs> oh <what>? yeah <laughs> oh yeah you know and and the the show in two weeks is going to be the biggest show we've done yet. It's a huge theater here in Orlando, and uh, like I said, it's going to have 17 brass instruments, 23 stringed instruments, uh, eight piece choir, and a and a uh, percussion section. So it's going to be a big uh, a big, to-do. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> big <that>. to do.
1: Yeah, <laughs> a <laughs> bit of a get together. Yeah, a nice get together. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, Mark, as we start to wind down this conversation a little bit, we don't want to take up too much of your time because, as we said, you're a very, very busy uh-huh. man. There's a couple of things I still wanted to get into. And I recently read that you've been um, kind of getting the foundations ready to start your own pedal company.
0: Uh, yeah. Here's one of them right here. Wow. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I've been working on it now. um Gosh, it could could be almost a year now. We, we're we're um, we're trying to launch next year, um, but I want to launch with three pedals. It's uh, three is my lucky number. Three's in my last name. You know, Tramonti means three mountains. So um, in Italian. So I want to launch three pedals at first. I'm just trying to figure out which those are going to be. Um, but you know, I'm excited about it. I want to keep the. I want to keep. Um, them cheap, you know. I I want them to be high quality, but two hundred bucks, you know. I don't want I don't want to put out some thousand dollar pedal or eight hundred dollar pedal. So I want to keep them affordable and top quality and and uh, road tested and straightforward.
3: Yeah. What what uh, what effects will they be doing? Do you have are they all going to be different ones?
0: Yeah. Right now I've got a Univibe, a Tremolo, a uh, we're working on a Wah, and uh, we started working on an overdrive, but I want to, I also want to do an octave. You know, I want to, um, I want to, I want to do a whole line of things. But, uh, like I said, the, the first initial launch, I want to put out three pedal. Nice. Will you be using these going forward with the bands? Yeah. I've been using the Unified on stage already. Oh, wow. Uh, I love, I love it. It's been, uh, it's been great. It's, you know, hopefully I can get the, uh, you know, a wah is a thing that I've I've been using my Morley signature wah for my whole career, and uh, you know, I got to make sure that it, it's it, this new wah feels comfortable for me as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I am excited about
1: nice. Well, as I said, you are you are a guitar icon for a lot of people out there, and especially a lot of people listening to this. Is there anything you've really learned over the years in terms of playing versus songwriting? And by that, I mean obviously everyone wants to pick up and be able to shred or play a solo they like or a riff. But the fact that maybe sometimes that's not necessary for a song and you're trying to write the perfect song, but also trying to express yourself as a player. Is there anything you've, you've learned over the years to kind of the, to craft that anything you, you prefer, anything that comes to mind?
0: Make the same no-brainer decision as over one million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Well, to me, songwriting, uh, writing vocal melodies and uh, the song itself is definitely top priority. The uh, guitar solos, only if it elevates the song, uh, only if it calls for it. And I think a solo should be a little song within itself and tell a little story within itself. Um, but, uh, my focus 90% of the time is writing songs and, um, writing the vocal melodies and then the lyrics. And that, that, that's to me is the most important thing. That's what, that's what's kept the light on in my career all these years. If I just was a shredder and just, just shredded all the time and didn't write songs, I'd have been retired 25 years ago. So. I, I do, um, I do guitar clinics on tour that we had to stop since COVID, but I'm going to start back up next year. And, um, I go over some, I go over guitar playing because a lot of people come to it for that. But I, but then what people gets people most excited is the the songwriting side of it. I kind of show people how I write songs and I give examples of, uh, what I do in real time. So one of the coolest things that happened at one of these clinics is I showed people, a finger style pattern and a a way of writing with it. And during the middle of that clinic, I wrote the title track to my last solo record in the clinic in front of, I don't know how many people, maybe 15, 20 people were there. And uh, I was like, hold on a second guys. And I recorded it on my laptop and (laughs) I have the recording of all the people in the room. Like, Oh, that's cool. Or, you know, um, (laughs) so I practice what I preach, you know, when I do these songwriting clinics, I'm doing exactly what I do. And I've written so many things for albums that I by doing that, you know, so it's, I, 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 I do the clinics for an hour, but usually I go two hours or more just because I get into it. And I just, if if I'm having fun, I just keep going. Yeah. So, nice. Well, yeah.
3: yeah, you, you talked about your writing style. And so when you talk about vocals, is it just, me- is it melodies first and then words
0: or is it ever words? Yeah. Well, it's, um, I will, I will sing in my falsetto when I'm writing melodies because, um, I don't want to be uh, limited to what I can do with my voice because my voice is, has this limited range. But if I'm singing a false set, I can rah, I go all over the place. Um, so what I'll do is I'll, I'll write a melody and then um, I will go back later and listen to it and kind of um, almost like if you blurred your vision and you could see things within clouds or whatever. Um, I do the same thing with what I've sang. So I, I sing gibberish yeah, And then and then little, little words will stick out. And I'm like, oh, it sounded like I just said, uh, the world is coming to an end. Oh, that's it. You know, <laughs> whatever, whatever it is, I'll pull the things out of what I spit out. And then uh, the song will kind of form its way around um, that way. You know, that's how, that's how I write lyrics. I don't ever write. I don't ever write. I'm not like a poetic guy who will write a poem and then try to put it to music. It's the opposite. I'll write music and try to put words to it.
3: Yeah, me that. too, me too. But yeah, that's a, that's a, it's one of the things um, our listeners like you're in is how how different people write and stuff, and how they yeah. um, mm-hmm. inspiration to do it.
0: Yeah, there's there's no rules. Some everybody does it different. It's it's fascinating to sit down and hear however how other people do it. Hmm.
1: Mark, I can't have you here without bringing up very quickly Metalingus because yeah. I don't want to take too much of your time with this because um, Scott flipped. Talked to us a little bit at Download Festival earlier in the year, um, about this song, but me, myself and Sean are huge wrestling fans, right? And for the last how many years, that song has probably been my favorite to exist in that world for an entrance theme, for a hype, the reactions when, when it hits. Uh, what has that relationship between you and Adam Copeland, aka Edge and the WWE? in AEW been like over all these years because it's such an iconic song and I know it was never really a single or anything for you but it's one of your well, most popular it exists in this whole other world it just must be such a phenomenon to, to have that kind of relationship and, and the song that means so much to different types of people who might have never discovered the band otherwise
0: uh, yeah it's uh, we, we owe Adam a huge debt of gratitude he he Metalingus is probably the most streamed song that Alter Bridge has, you know. So it's uh, live. We play it every night. It's one of the biggest songs of the night, um, and I don't think, I, you know, I, I don't think it would have been anywhere near as popular as it was if it wasn't for Edge using that as his theme song. And I, I remember him calling me and, uh, "Hey man, you know, uh, would it be all right if I used Metalingus as my entrance music?" And this was way back when he first started it. And I was like, absolutely, dude, that'd be, that'd be incredible. And it's so funny. He is, if you see him on, on when he's wrestling, he's a tough guy, right? (laughs) Uh, And and, in person, he's the most like gentle, hi, you know, Canadian, very nice, you know, just low key, nicest guy you'll ever meet in your life. Um, He called me uh, when he was, was getting ready to sign with AEW and uh, he's like, "Hey, man, I just, um, I would love to take Medalingus to AEW. It's just, it's, it's, me. You know, it's my thing. I, I, I can't. I don't. I don't feel right getting in the ring without it. Do you know if I'm free? Do you know if I'm allowed to use it? Is it free and clear, licensing wise? Do you guys have contracts with WWE? Can we do it? And I'm like, well, let me, let me call my management and find out. And uh, they're like, no, he can use it." You know, we can do it. And he freaked out. He's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, that 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 pumped him up. And then he said, uh, you know, one thing he had s- he mentioned was that they're they're playing um or they're the wrestling at Wembley Stadium next year and how awesome it would be for Alter Bridge to come perform at it. But I think that happens at the same time. We're already on tour with. Creed. Oh. Uh, so that would have been that would have been because you know, London, London's one of our, probably our biggest market in the world so yeah. that would have been uh, uh, incredible
1: well this is the thing right uh, for WWE uh, Wrestlemania is every now and again they like to have like a special performance especially if a band can go and do one of those entrance musics and I've always been surprised that you guys never did Edge anything was there anything ever close to happening yes before?
0: we were, we were going to do Wrestlemania um, and then COVID happened oh, okay. so <sighs> <laughs> it was. It was all planned, all ready to go. Um, we were, we were doing it, and then COVID happened and destroyed it. So oh, what's uh, bloody yeah. COVID?
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm gutted as well that you Me can't too. do AW all in at Wembley because oh, that would have been perfect. Chris, Ger- oh, yeah. Chris Jericho did it with Fozzy, and it was, uh-huh. it was, it was very, it was very, very good. It was just interesting because he then had to. Sing it while walking to the ring, but having uh, yeah. a whole different experience to you guys. But yeah, what a song! What a song! I think that's yeah, um, well,
3: well, it wouldn't have been the s- Edge coming to AEW, mm. oh, Adam coming to AEW. I don't think it would have been the same if it if they didn't have Metal really. Like, it would no, have been, yeah. I think he would have had to have shifted the character away, probably away from him. Like, he, w- he would have been better off coming back with a different name rather than his own name, yeah, and going with a different song and a different gimmick altogether. But
0: that's like taking. That's like taking, I am a real, a true American <laughs> away from Hulk Hogan. Come on. Yeah, it is. Yeah.
3: Joe, oh. you know I never thought of that. Yeah, it is. yeah. Oh, it's like,
0: yeah.
3: Stone gold coming down to something acoustic rather than the glass smashing. And then,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, my oh, mad. Uh, th- thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Though. That means a lot. And like, again, Mark, we don't want to keep you too long, but just one last thing. Yeah, um, We do like to ask people on this podcast every now and again, especially when they've done as many mad tours as you have, is the weirdest place you've ever performed? Because I know it's arenas, you've done stadiums, you've done some of the biggest festivals, but people have told us about playing on the back of a hot dog truck, about playing ball rings, about playing a zoo. Like, is there anything that yeah. comes to mind where you think you've played and gone, what the hell is this? We've done a couple.
0: Um, we uh, We played Alcatraz. You know, so we went out to the island of uh, the prison, Alcatraz Island there. And um, we were going to be the first rock band to ever perform there. And then um, somebody was sick in the band. And what we actually did perform is just um, what's the name of uh, uh, one headlight? um, Bob Dylan, Jacob Dylan. They were they played first and then we played after them. But so we played Alcatraz. Did a tour of the uh, prison afterwards, and then um, another real weird one was, uh, which was crazy. We were we were playing with ice ice tea, which was awesome. <laughs> it's
3: already <laughs> it's already great. It's already oh, yeah. great. Oh, yeah.
0: it's, uh, and he was he was he was super cool. Um, but we were playing in Austria, and uh, in front of the stage was a s- ski slope, and there were snowboarders flipping in the air. And then the crowd was on the other side of this ski slope. <laughs> yeah. Um.
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a new thing for production. What'd what you fancy, boys? Well, instead of a pit, should we just have some do snowboarders for doing
0: flips?
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, dude, what a career you've had. And I'm still I still love that me. you're trying new things. There's so much excitement around everything you're doing. And again, super appreciate you taking the time and talking to thank you. us to IJIT. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. I'm um, super excited about this Christmas album and to see what kind of comes next with all the projects. So yeah, oh, thanks thank for you. just being awesome.
0: I had a great time guys. Thank you so much. See you soon guys. Thanks.
1: Bye. You're yes. Woo!
3: Thank you very much. The amazing Mark Tremonti of Bridge, Creed Tremonti and his own Frank Sonata album, which is fucking fantastic. Unbelievable. Yeah. Sounds exactly yeah. like him. I, I don't know how he's done it.
1: <laughs> Especially all these Christmas songs as well, Lee. He has nailed that in that old style and it's just nice to have a conversation with such a legend and him being so open, you could yeah. say, with arms oh, wide open. Oh, you fucking prick. You absolute <laughs> bastard. <laughs>
3: Uh, Mark, if you've listened to this I'm so sorry fella We we had such a good time As people have just heard In that chat We fucking loved speaking to you Yeah, I'm we very, did. very Yeah, I'm very, very sorry For my friends' behaviour <laughs> Post-chat And I hope we get to see him again Very, very soon Potentially on a fucking Creed World Tour next year That'd be alright, oh, wouldn't it?
1: Oh, that would be it That would be absolutely insane Well, he's got a very busy schedule Has he explained Like, I just can't believe How far out everything is, is planned out for him. But yeah, Bonkers. Creed's going to be touring so much next summer in the U S. Um, there's some Tremonti dates at the start of January as well. He's got some of these Frank natural shows that you can go and check out on his website. And I'm sure Alter bridge going to pop up in random places as well. And new music. I mean, how he keeps himself to have any free time is beyond me. But as I said, what a career, what a guy. And it's just uh, so nice that we can have these conversations and, it's nice to see someone who people idolize that like kind of nerd out about something different. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, I think that's, that's the thing. And I think with
3: all the other podcasts we've done previous to this is that's what the important thing is that look behind the, behind the curtain, the pullback of the curtain to see what people in our favorite bands love. And then to hear them being excited by those things and the Frank Sinatra stories and, him getting the fucking band back together. Like it was, I literally had fucking goosebumps while he was talking about, it's like, you don't even have to like Frank Sinatra, right? To appreciate the the fact that he got the Frank Sinatra's original band back together and all this shit just to perform for him. Like if that doesn't tell you how bloody good he is at singing these songs, (laughs) I don't know
1: what does. Check it fucking out now. Yes, do. We hope you're enjoying your uh, festive period or whenever you listen to this because that's the way podcasts works. So for there forever. Oh, yeah. You could be listening to this in really five years time. Oh God, that's that's a hey, horrible.
3: If you're thought. listening to this in 2029, uh, get in touch with us on <laughs> sniff, 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 sniff. that's the new alien website that they dropped in 2027 <laughs> after the UFOs came down. So get in touch with us on <laughs> sniff, 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 sniff. Um, yes, yeah, send us one laser disc. <laughs> I'm talking, I don't know. I'm talking in future currency. I don't know what the fuck I'm what? on about. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, you can send us regular day currency at <laughs> Patreon.com. <laughs> Good segue. That's forward slash happening. Uh got to get in there. We got to get in there somehow. That's true. No. Yeah,
3: get, yeah. Go to Patreon.com forward slash happening
1: before um, the uh, we
3: all have one united alien currency. Um, go and send us your dollars, pounds, or you got to get rid pittance. of them really
1: before you. Know, well, that's they, true. Yeah, yeah. twenty twenty-seven. Of- <laughs> we're all going to have
3: one currency, right? Alien. Right? Which I can't even spell, right? I don't even know. That's that's just how you pronounce it. We're all going to have one currency, and you've got to get rid of them fivers and, and stuff now, because paper plastic money is going to be um, irrelevant in the future. So go to patreon.com, force us that and help your favourite chaps out! We're not Yay. your favourite chaps, I understand.
1: Ah, well, hopefully we're up there. But the, our community, we say it all the bloody time, but we love them so much. This oh, week, best. we would have just done... Uh, a festive Zoom party with them and just had a, a good laugh answering silly questions. Look back at the podcast and everything. And I know a bunch of you in the group would have been ecstatic for this episode because there's many of them who just sending random creed memes as it is. So, uh, yeah, if you want to come in and meet some new friends, especially for the new year and get ready to plan to go to gigs and festivals and all that for 2024, head to patreon.com for what starts happening. If you head to the description of this episode, there's loads of names there that we thank. But as always, Sean's going to give a mahoosive shout-out to the elite members of our Sattling Podcast Patreon community. Those are the lovely people in the top tiers. Yes,
3: thank you very much Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi Mayumi, Janelle Castan, Paul
1: Irshfield, Tony Michael, Scarlett
3: Charlton, Dili Califragilisticexpiala Grimwood, Mitch Perry, Nathan Croshaw, Kelly Ewan, Emma Barber, TPSW underscore Owens, Molly Malloy and James Bauerbank, Amy Louise, Cat and Alexandra Pemblinton, Jonathan Gutierrez, Jenny Robertson, Amy Dawson, Murray Grimwood, Scott Jones, Stuart McNaught, Ellen Selfield, Caroline Robson, Stephen Aston, Kate Puttack, Jenny Munster, Louis Cook, Carl Pendleby, James McNaught, Jason Arredia, John and Emma, Martina McManus, Danny Eaton, Sean Foynes, M. Evans Roberts, Evan, Ollie Amesbury, Emily Perry, Kalila Keane, Adam King of the Goss Parslow. Josh, how much does Santa pay to park the sleigh? Nothing. It's on the house crisp. Thank you very much, Vicky. Thank you very much, Kyle Bounty Chocolate Van, David Smith, and last by no means least, Connolly Winsome, Family. Thank you for all of those people, everybody in the description, anyone who's ever considered being a patron, do it, come on, I'm right here, come on, make your fit, make a best friend and get a gig buddy for next year, come along to the Blackout Shows, let's all have a fucking laugh
1: and pretend the world isn't absolutely dog share. Yeah! I like, your, I like your Arnie impression for festive season as well because Jingle All The Way is definitely going to be something I'm watching this week. So I didn't do an Arnie impression. Uh, uh, That's just how I speak. Uh, at Slapplin Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Share it with your friends, please do. And make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening because not only are we going to be back each and every Friday with very special guests, laughs and good times, but next week, is a very special one is it? because we're going to be doing an episode i don't think you want to do best your birthday so we're celebrating Yay! in the worst way that's a nice surprise for people that's to keep them yeah. on the on the cliffhanger that's true. it's your birthday next week yes Yay! Yay! um
3: yes um if you want to send money um get, <laughs> get in touch on cash app i think it's sean smith's nod if you want to give me a birthday present. Chuck a quid into the Patreon. Thank you very much. That'd be lovely. Appreciate you. And that's that for this week's episode. We had pause then for a second. <laughs> um, thank you again to Mark Tremonti for giving us his time, being an absolute fucking legend. He didn't have to be as cool as he was with us, but he was. Thank you very much to him for the music of Alterbridge, of Creed, of Tremonti. And I fu- again, I can't rave enough about that Frank Snart album. He sounds exactly fucking like him. Anyway, Thank you very much. This has been episode two hundred and sixty five of Sapnin Podcast. Now we've got this fine, don't know, but fucking Sapnin'! Sapmin
0: I might be the most aggressive one I've ever done.
3: You're listening to Savlin'n Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't, I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, Thank you very much.